Hi folks, welcome to Gold Bazan's 90th episode. This is Pasha Jones speaking. Four years ago, myself and a group of gentlemen decided to create a podcast to bring the global community together to give them a better glimpse of the reigning golf league and a better perspective about the reigning national team. Flash forward now, we've had the absolute honor to know Carlos Quiroz personally, his staff members, majority of the players, big figures, whether it's in Asian football or world football. And throughout this process, that's all been thanks to our fans, and listeners, whoever you may be, pundits, journalists, that you guys take the time to send us tweets saying that this is something pleasurable for you and being part of this journey with us. We're just going to thank you enough. 20 years ago was our last one, an absolute historic one, versus the United States in Lyon in 98. Flash forward now, we just defeated Africa's best team, one nothing. Absolute fantastic performance from Carlos Quiroz. I just want to take the time to thank Carlos Kiros, his staff members, and his players because with all these controversies surrounding the reigning national team, they still prevailed through obstacles. Especially now with Carlos Kiros standing up for our gentlemen, our boys, basically protecting them with all the shenanigans that is happening with, with, you know, with the sanctions and whatnot. That shows you what a great man he is and how much heart he has for this national team. And I just want to take the time to thank him because we are where we are thanks to this man and um, just... Every single one of us just should be just supportive as much as we can for them because where we are is due to this man's work commitment that he sees the potential within these guys. As you guys are listening to this uh, episode, we hope if you have any suggestions or anything, if there's any topics or anything you would like us to further discuss, please email us at mail at goldbizampodcast.com or message us on Facebook at goldbizam or on Twitter. Thank you, everyone. Um, keep keep celebrating. We have a big match coming up on Wednesday. But nonetheless, enjoy this latest episode of Gold Bazan. It's going to be our analysis of Morocco versus Iran. Enjoy. Welcome everyone to another edition of Golbezan. Uh, the World Cup in Russia has, is well underway and Iran started off its campaign yesterday against uh, Morocco. And we have this evening with us Arya Aloverdi, Sinai Saimian, and our special guest who's very welcome, Mr. Benjamin Haji from At Maghrib Foot, a Twitter uh, specializing in Moroccan football and uh, Miss, uh, and Benjamin has uh, is currently in St Petersburg and he was at the game yesterday um, so Benjamin firstly uh, welcome uh, to the pod we're really happy to have you on um, commiserations of course uh, how how has the experience been for you Firstly, thank you for uh, for having me on. I was uh, I was I was actually complaining to Pasha for for not having me on uh, on the on the preview. So I'm happy to uh, to finally be on. But um, it's it's overall been a been a fairly good experience. But uh, of course, losing to Iran was was very disappointing. And um, I'm honestly getting tired of seeing all the all the Iranian shirts everywhere now. So it's gonna be nice to to finally go to Moscow now in a couple of days. Yeah, I bet absolutely. I mean, we 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 were there four four years ago against Argentina. We conceded it in the ninety first minute, so we we know what it's like, and it's not nice. But as 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 you said before, when we discussed it, it's it's football, isn't it? But um, let's let's exactly. let's get let's get going with the with the game. So we had a, um, a slightly surprising, in in my opinion, starting lineup of um, Beiranvand in goal. 
uh, we had Hodge Safia left back, Cheshmian Mortazop Puraliganji at centre back, Ramin Rezoyan at right back, and in midfield we had uh, Baida Amiri, Ebrahimi, and Masoud Shojoi in the in the middle of the park with uh, Karima Ansari Fard on the left wing and Aldiza Jahanbakhsh on the right wing and up top as a sole striker Sardar Osman. Now Arya, uh, what do you think? What did you think about this formation? And and when when it was released, were you surprised at all? Yeah, of course. I think I was surprised uh, mainly because of the omissions of uh, Mirad Mohammadi. Uh, and you could see um, maybe Dejaga being fit back in the team, didn't get the chance to start. Tarami as well, you know, being fit, didn't start. Um, of course, we we know Kairos wants to play a, a defensive game um, to the, on the counter-attack, and, you know, basically he wanted to uh, uh, frustrate the Moroccan team, tire them out mentally and physically, and... Uh, you know, hit them on the counter, but you know the goal came from a a mistake from defender from the Buhad was one of the strikers who came on. So I mean, the tactic was to be defensive, to be compact, to be uh, energetic, um, and it was surprising, but I think it was effective. Uh, maybe it wasn't pretty, but I would think that uh, it doesn't have to be pretty. You know, we don't have to play pretty football, um, but. Overall, uh, it was surprising, but I think it was uh, something that you always expect Kairos to do. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. I think, I, think, I think we were taken aback a little bit by, by that starting formation. Um, Sina, same to you. Do you were, was there a particular player that you were surprised um, by who was in the starting lineup or what, a particular uh, player who was in a position? That you didn't expect him to be in. I think, as Arya mentioned, I think uh, the omission of Milad Mohammadi was the was the obvious one. I wasn't as surprised uh, with the inclusion of of Vahid Amiri, and of course with uh, the absence of uh, Saida Zatouli because of suspension. Uh, there was really not a lot of options in terms of who will play at number six, so we were only left with Omid Ibrahim. You had a spectacular game, in my, in my opinion. But um, I know Vahid Amiri, before the game, the fact that he was uh, starting, there was a lot of criticism towards that decision. But I never really understood that. I mean, he played central midfield, which was very surprising in that sense. But uh, it was almost a no-brainer for me that he was going to start, especially with the recent injury to to Ptolemy and the fact that um, Morocco having Amrabat as, as right-back and the fact that he loves to overlap. I think he was always going to be crucial to have someone at... Uh, you know, left wing or even that left side of central midfield, who will track those runs, who will support the 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 left back. So I think it worked out to be a great decision by Kerosh, and he certainly paid off. I thought Ebrahimi as well as um, uh, Amiri probably the the standout players for Iran, and of course the the, the main player who faces a lot, who who's faced a lot of criticism in the last few weeks, uh, Ruzbeh Cheshmi at centre back. I thought he he had a solid game. Um, but again, he was helped by the fact that the midfield really supported them well. They, uh, they did the job that they were supposed to do. And I thought it was an overall solid performance. And the lineup, kind of, of course, with the win, uh, it paid, the decisions paid off. Absolutely. I think we, we all expected some sort of surprise in the lineup. And certainly there was, there was at least one in, in, in Hajj Safi and uh, 
playing instead of Milad Mohammadi, who I personally think is one of our best players and someone who can who will have a bright future in Europe, defensively and offensively, really solid. Um, and and speaking of fullbacks, uh, Benjamin, we had expected um, Hakimi Ashraf Hakimi not to be playing, as he, the reports had said that he was injured. The you know a great um, Real Madrid. Fullback who who could have um, who well we didn't expect him to be on the pitch but were you equally surprised or or uh, how did you feel about that? Um, about Hakimi, he wasn't really that surprised. He had a little injury in the in the last preparation game, but we no no reports from from Morocco indicated that he was that he was um, going to be on the bench. But it has been a lot of a lot of discussion around the fullback spot because we have. Especially on the right back, we had Nabil Dirar who played throughout the whole qualification, and he he has been struggling with a with a calf injury for for the whole preparation. So he he hasn't been playing any games for Morocco since since the spring. So that was a big question mark. And as well with if we were going to play Hakimi on the right back, where he's which is his um, natural position, or if we were going to be playing him at the left back, where he ended up starting, and as well Nordin Amarabat. Who is uh, naturally uh, a winger? He has been playing wing back uh, a couple of times uh, earlier, but never been playing as a as a right back in a formation with with four defenders. So I think that was the the decision that caught us most by surprise that we actually started Amrabat as a as a um, defender, which made us look like a really offensive team. Absolutely, and then what 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 was really interesting about. Um, the decision to put Amrabat on the right back, I thought, in my, in my opinion, that not only was he one of your your best players, I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch, and he looked in, really quite dangerous, especially in the first half, driving forward, um, getting into a lot of good, dangerous um, space in um, in that offensive position in the, in the final third, uh, and putting some really good balls in, and and giving Haj Safi a real headache. And there were times when both um, both Haj Safi and Vahid Amiri had to double up on him and they still struggled at times, especially in the first 20 minutes. And um, How did you feel about that, Arya? Do you, were, you, were you equally worried about Amrabat in, in, the, in the early parts of the game in particular? Sure, sure. I think uh, he looked dangerous. You know, he was making the, the overlap uh, pretty continuously during the first half. Um, I thought... Ansari Fard, although he ran, I think it was 10 kilometres in that game, um, you know, even though he ran that much, I don't think he was really that effective uh, defensively. I don't, I, I mean, he maybe he did, but he wasn't uh, really, in my opinion, helping Hoysafi as much as he probably should have. Um, I think on the other side of the pitch, Jahan Bash and Reza Yon were very, very good defensively. Um, I thought they shut the defence up really, really well. I mean, the attacks from Morocco's left side really well. Um, but Haisafi, he's not a defender. I don't think he should play in the back four. Um, and he, you know, we saw times where he it was he was getting beaten very easily by Amrabat, uh, and it was an issue. But I think uh, I don't think there was much much option for them in the box. I don't think El Kabi gave them much of an option. I don't think he was, you know, although he's a big guy, he's tall. He wasn't giving. Um, the presence uh, in the box, in my opinion, he only had a couple of chances and he didn't really take them. Uh, and there wasn't really much, um, you know, mid- midfield uh, support. 
and especially centrally from uh, Belhonda and Ziyech, they were pretty much around the edge of the box, which doesn't really help uh, El Kabi, a young guy who needs support. Uh, he wasn't getting it. So although Amrabat was getting forward and getting crosses in, they were pretty redundant, in my opinion, in terms of um, you know what was going to happen at the end of them. Uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully Milad Mohamed is restored at left-back because Haisafi, for me, is not a left-back. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be, it will one interesting point for the next game will definitely be uh, seeing whether Mohamadi will, will will be restored into that left back position. We know how how dangerous he can be, and at the same time, how um, how he solid he is defensively. But what what was really I think evident and, and a cause for concern I think the first was the first twenty or so minutes of that first half. We we started off quite nervy. Um, the players didn't look good on the ball. Uh, meanwhile, Morocco went in from kickoff and when started attacking. They started off playing the long, uh, long ball diagonals from uh, from the defensive line. Benatia uh, with, with a really good, dangerous long ball um, to the left wing in the, in the in the second minute, and then you had a good set piece um, just inside the. Um, just off the tra- straight off the training pitch, and fortunately for us, and unfortunately for uh, Morocco, um, Ziyech missed that ball. Um, and then we look, we look at um, I think the most one of the most dangerous parts of that game was the free kick just inside Iran's half in the 19th minute when he had some really desperate defending um, from the from the, the Iranian players. Osman um, sliced his clearance. The, the ball went straight to Belhonda, who, whose shot was blocked by Haj Safi, and then Benatia's shot was then, was then uh, blocked by Beiran Vand. Um, Benjamin, how, what did, how did you feel in those first 20 minutes? You, you must have been quite optimistic and thought that, um, that there, there should be a goal here, or did you think that the chances has to be, have to be put away? How did you feel? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was an emotional first 20 minutes, you know, First of all, it was our, our first World Cup in in 20 years, and it was it, I felt really proud actually the first in the opening minutes because I, I felt like we looked really solid. We we looked convinc- convincing on the ball. We tried to to create chances, and uh, I think we succeeded at it as well in the in the in the opening stages. But then I remember um, looking back and telling someone next to me that this after especially after we we didn't score on that set piece that you mentioned where. I think around blocked it maybe three or four times. I remember just thinking to myself that this is this is a typical game where Iran will get a counter or or a set piece and they will just punish Morocco for not taking their chances. So it was getting very frustrating after, especially after those first 20, 25 minutes, because after that, I think the game kind of changed and Iran got more opportunities on the counter and we started to look a bit frustrated with not really be able to test the their goalkeeper although we had some chances but it, I don't think he really had one save besides that one block in the on the set piece so it was it was it was annoying looking back that we didn't that we weren't able to to capitalize on on the first 20 minutes definitely yeah for sure it comes to it comes back to that old cliche of if you don't take your chances then then it can come back and bite you and we we exactly. we seen that we seen that uh, seen, see that all the time. Um, see, seeing the same sort of question to you, did you, um, as an Iran fan, 
um, how how did you feel in the in those in those first sort of twenty minutes or so? Did you did you think that it was it was that general thing where we generally are quite slow starting the game and you were confident that we could keep defending, or were you worried that we're going to concede here and then start the game? We've already started the game on the back foot. Are we going to concede early? How do you feel about that? No, as you said, it was you know you didn't even need to watch the game to know that the first 15, 20 minutes were always going to be a struggle, regardless of who we play against, what styles. Those first 15, 20 minutes, we tend to not just start slow, but be really, really shaky, very nervous, and it was a similar story. Um, and I think Morocco knew that they they were a lot more offensive, they were putting more balls in, and and Iran, on the other hand, were a lot more aggressive. There was a lot more cynical fouling in midfield. And um, we were just really anxious to get the first 15, 20 minutes over and then slowly try to uh, settle into the game. And that's what happened. I mean, Shojai received the yellow card. I think it was on the ninth or the 10th minute. It was just constant fouling, trying to uh, stop the stop them, uh, you know, stringing moves together. And it, it kind of worked at the end, but it, it was very close. I remember four years ago as well against Nigeria, we had we had two clearances off the line. In the first, uh, in the early stages of the game, um, it's going to be the same again for the next two games. Uh, we are going to start slow, um, off the pace, and then gradually um, settle into the game. But also going back to um, the formation, I think Ario was right. Ansari Fad didn't offer much defensively, but I also think he wasn't necessarily there to to uh, support Harsafi directly. Um, I think Hoy Safi's job, as we found out, was to mark Ziyech coming inside. Um, I think he, I think that's one of the main reasons he played, because he was almost dra- getting dragged into midfield, and then Amiri was the guy who was uh, trying to support him and and, and try and uh, uh, mark and track Amrabat as as much as possible. Um, but overall, I thought, you know, early stages again, very nervous. Van made a great save. And then, uh, apart from that, we we blocked out the the passing channels in midfield. Uh, Al Ahmadi and and, and Busufa didn't couldn't really string that much passes together. And uh, Oria was right, you know, El Kabi didn't offer much, but that's also because he was really isolated. You know, he was he was uh, he was almost three v one every time the ball was coming up. Uh, of course, him against Pura Lienji and Cheshmi, and then you had Omid Ibrahimi in front of him. So there was no way uh, Morocco were going to win the second balls either. And I think that's something that Kairush was um, clearly he'd, he'd worked on specifically to make sure that the second balls aren't won by by Morocco. And there was one occasion that they did, and uh, it was in the second half. And I think it was Harit that had the the volley that Bayroman saved, and that was the only time that the defensive midfielder wasn't there to clear up um, the the second ball, the loose ball. And I think we we got the midfield perfect because Morocco very very. Talented, we forced them to to use those long balls from their centre backs, from size in particular. Um, and I was kind of surprised that we didn't. I mean, at the beginning of the game, I was surprised Osman wasn't pressuring size at all. He was really letting him, um, you know, pick his pass, put his head up, pick his pass as much as possible. But then, obviously, as the game went on, you realised that was Iran's game plan all along to 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 force him into those uh, long uh, diagonal passes across the pitch. Well, yeah, and you, you've 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 made a really interesting point there. Before before the game, um, a couple of interesting statistics about um, Morocco in in qualifying and in, in, in throughout the African continent, they were 
they had the most successful um, long balls and they were the be best at the second balls. So, uh, Benjamin, were you uh, a bit surprised that it wasn't as successful um, this time around? You had obviously had some good diagonal balls early on, but uh, the end product didn't seem to be there as often and Kabi, as Sina uh, said, was uh, often isolated and, and couldn't quite get to many of those balls that were coming to him. Uh, was that, would you say that's uncharacteristic of, of, uh, of Morocco? I think, uh, I think Sina made a great point there about the, the lack of pressure uh, to the centre-backs. Because I was surprised by that as well, that um, Iran's attackers let Morocco's centre-backs play so freely, freely out of the back. But looking back, it could, could have been a move from from the Iranian uh, or Carlos Queiroz uh, in order to to shut down Morocco's midfield because our even though we're usually trying to play out um, using the center backs as well, it's mainly our two center mids, especially in Sufa, who who are um, tossed with uh, distributing the ball and try to orchestrate a play. But he was completely completely um, invisible throughout the game. I barely saw him, and the few times he had the ball. Uh, I remember him giving away a silly ball, completely not under pressure, and just giving it away. And I think that was probably the key for Iran to try to um, uh, make him have the ball as little as possible. We instead they let um, Karim El Ahmadi, the other defensive mid, uh, have more of the ball because he's not the player who can who can uh, really um, do the do the playmaking. So I think that played a key part, and as well, of course. The, the few times that we tried the, the ball up to a cabbie, it didn't work. He's not that good um, at holding up the ball, which is another point that I think, even though I see a lot of people criticizing him, especially Moroccans, criticizing our manager for, for using El Kabi um, and cri uh, criticizing El Kabi's performance, I think the, the biggest issue was the fact that we our, our creative offensive players were not there in the spaces around him. I saw especially Ziyech, which we, it was a guy that we had a lot of expectations to. I don't think that was only Moroccans. I think a lot of people were um, expecting great things from, from Ziyech in, in that game. But he, I think he was really frustrated with not getting the ball in the spaces that he wanted to. He was, it seemed like he always had a guy um, in his back for, uh, forcing him further down the pitch. And it ended up both him and Behanda, who was, Two guys that were supposed to be there uh, around El Cabri trying to create opportunities. Both of them ended up coming down further and further down to try to get the ball and be involved in the play. Um, and I think that really hurt us when we had a striker who is not really the player who can create things on his own. He's more of a striker that can um, finish off a good cross or or try to combine with the, with other players to set up an attack. But when he was isolated that much it made it really hard for us so i think uh, i think we just have to give credit to to iran for for executing a perfect game plan and and making the most of it when um especially when our, our offensive players um try to get the ball also yeah. just just to go back into what, what benjamin was saying he's uh, he's absolutely right. And also, I think what Renard was, was banking on was that support for El Kabi to be provided by Harit and, and uh, Ziek coming inside. Whereas I think that worked into Iran's hands. You know, everything's right in front of you as a defender and it's perfect. Whereas I think 
if he was to do the game all over again, maybe uh, he would make sure that the, the, the support comes from the central midfielders running into that defensive block because then you're confusing the defenders, you're confusing the midfielders, dragging them out of position. Uh, I think that would have been key. And also, the couple of counter-attacks that Iran had in, 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 in the first half, I think that kind of uh, put a bit of doubt into their heads. That's, look, you know, we, since Amrabat and Hakimi are so wide and, and attacking so far up the pitch, we cannot afford our central midfielders to go further up too much because then it will be just uh, Osman and, and Ansarifad in particular, just two-on-two two with Benashi and Saiz. Uh, so I think... Maybe if Renaud was to go back, maybe he would he would change that and and uh, he would he would make sure that the support for Kabi comes from midfield runners rather than the wingers coming inside. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I will I will we'll come on. We'll come on to um, Zh and 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 some of the unsuccessful play um, that there was from that wing and but also the the threats that w- was coming from 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 those wings. Um, but, but but before that, I wanted to discuss. We've we've, just, we've sort of this, we've touched upon the first twenty minutes of their game when Morocco uh, dominated and Iran looked nervy. Um, and and part of that for me, what really stood out was Shojai. I think being captain and one of the most experienced players in 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 in, in the squad, he he in fact looked looked the most worked up. And we, we you said earlier, Sina, uh, that he got booked in the tenth minute for a, for really a silly. Foul where he went to ground right in the middle of the park, and and I, I felt that he his head wasn't quite right there. I mean, it's throughout the game as well. He misplaced passes. We all know that he's generally quite slow on the ball, and he 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 would just kind of stupidly just he'll do he'll hold possession too long, and then he'll run out of options, and he'll then he'll just give the ball away, and he did that several times. Um, and that's something I noticed. Uh, Aria, is that something you agree with? How 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 was uh, was it, what are your thoughts on 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 Shojai's performance, particularly in the first first twenty minutes or so? I don't think. I mean, end of the day, um, in terms of a unit, I thought he played. I thought he was fine. I think as a unit, like with the midfielders around him, with uh, Ibrahimi and Amiri, I thought he was fine. I thought defensively, he did his job. Um, and he stuck to his uh, position quite well. I think the only issue with him was uh, he was uh, trying to overplay in the final third. I think that he was maybe a little bit, uh, you know, he was more more wary of the players around him. So he was watching for Jahan Bash going forward. He was trying to um, make sure that there was people enough in the box or enough in the final third to make the pass. And... Uh, for me, he was holding on to the ball a little bit too long. Uh, that it caused issues uh, for Iran because they want to counter, and when you hold the ball for too long, uh, it kind of disrupts the counter attack. And uh, I think, yeah, sometimes, yeah, I think he maybe just about uh, wasted possession, and we could have maybe got a chance to score a goal. But, but I don't think that his defensive play, which in my opinion was probably his main priority in this game. Um, uh, funnily enough, um, throughout the game as well, when he was playing to be compact, and he was. I don't think he really made that many defensive errors, if you want to say that. But yeah, in, in the attacking third, I don't think he was uh, particularly, uh, let's say, in his grease form um, as he has been for AEK uh, the last couple of months. But but um, I, I, I don't think uh, he will start against Spain. 
I think he will get dropped. Even though he's the captain, uh, I think uh, there's still um, a place where Kairos will want to go more defensive. I think he has to go more defensive, and I think Shojoy maybe isn't the guy for that um, that role. But we'll see, because uh, I don't think that... It's not easy to drop the captain, because he, he was a good captain. He led the team fine. Like I said, defensively was okay. But I think he will drop him for the for the Spain game on Wednesday. Well, that's that's something we'll 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 definitely come on to later. It's a very it'll be a very interesting point to discuss. Um, who will inevitably, if anyone, will be alongside Ezotolo in the number six position against Spain, and that's well, that's one of the most successful things that we did yesterday against Morocco is that we flooded that midfield. We really didn't allow them to play through the middle of the park. Um, as we've said, the ball was going through the wings. Amrabat looked threatening on that right. He he was a cause for concern. Uh, not as successfully Ziyech. He did cause us some problems. He did get in behind Rezaian, who I have in the past been very concerned about. He He's good going forward. He's got a good long ball. But he often forgets his defensive duties, a bit like Marcelo. Um, and he leaves a load of space in behind him. Um, that Ziyech could have exploited, and he did uh, once or twice, and managed to drive in in the into the box. Um, but fortunately for us, um, Ziyech's final pro- end product wasn't as good as his build-up play. Um, is that something you would agree with, um, Benjamin? I think uh, I think I speak for most Moroccans when uh, when saying that he was uh, very underwhelming yesterday. I think. He, just like the rest of the team, he had a good spell during the first minutes, combining with uh, with Harit and, and Hakimi especially, um, distributing some good balls onto the wing. But overall, he it's hard to say because we, we expected so much from him. I think looking back, um, maybe we put too much pressure on him because he, he has really just been, been playing for our national team for, for about a year or so. So... Um, it's it's really hard to say what what didn't work, but I think mainly the biggest point is that he. I think Iran was very very um, aware of him uh, before the game, and they they always had a guy on him. He he started off fairly high up the pitch, uh, getting some opportunities. Should maybe should have scored uh, within the first couple of minutes, but then uh, as the game went on, he he fell further and further down the pitch and. I remember shouting, several of us shouting that he needs to come up higher up the pitch if he was going to uh, make something because we, we, we already had enough players down the pitch that could just distribute the ball, so we didn't need him there. But I think a lot of offensive players, when they get frustrated of not getting the ball, especially a guy like Ziyech, who always liked to be the, the main man, um, when he's not getting the ball as much as he wants to, he tends to to move further down to get involved, but that was just um, making things worse for us. So, so um, yeah, that was really disappointing. I actually think um, Morocco gassed out. I don't think they were fit enough. I mean, I think Iran were the much fitter team. If you look at the 30th minute uh, in the game, in the first half, Morocco stopped sprinting. They weren't running anymore. They were walking pace. I mean, for me... Uh, after that sort of um, that storm of uh, you know attacks from uh, Morocco, they gassed out. They were very tired. I mean, I, I was constantly saying, um, "Why are they not running? 
I mean, the, the Amrabat was, was causing issues, but it, it just stopped. It, it really, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like an, it wasn't a, like a team that showed me, uh, like they, they got athletes on the pitch. It was more just playmakers who were good at passing it for the first 20 minutes. But after the first 20 minutes of passing, they couldn't run. And in the World Cup, in that stage against Iranians who have been training constantly, um, you know, with the national team staff for seven, eight months, you know, doing the recovery training after the league games and et cetera, et cetera, they were the much fitter team. And I just think Morocco's issue was that they just weren't um, athletic enough to, to compete uh, for the 90 minutes. And I, and I think mentally that, that really affected them. Um, throughout the game, and it was uh, it was a, it was the same thing in the second half. Yes, yeah, I, I I definitely I definitely see your point, and that could that could also have, uh, have played a part. I mean, besides that as well, I think when looking back, I think you know we have been undefeated now. Before this game, we were undefeated for over a year, um, and in most of those games, we haven't really we haven't really needed to. To um, try to to get a goal, you know, in the in the last 30, 40 minutes. Usually, we have been um, we've been sitting very comfortable at 60, 70 minutes. So it's not really been an issue for us. And I think I was I remember being really really optimistic after the preparation games where we we did well in in all of the three games we had leading up to the World Cup. But maybe. Maybe we should have got a game where we maybe could have worked a little bit more on um, phasing a team more similar to Iran. I think maybe that was what Renard um, initially wanted to. But looking back, we had uh, Ukraine, Slovakia, and Estonia. And in all of them, we created a lot of chances within the first 30, 40 minutes. And in two of them, we got uh, we got the lead fairly early. You know, before the 50, 50th minute mark, we, we had the lead against both. Estonia and Slovakia, and we're sitting really comfortable. Um, but then against Iran, I felt like after 30, 40 minutes, I think, of course, maybe we, we got tired um, after the break and um, weren't capable enough to, to create chances as a result of that. But also, I think we not only got frustrated, but also a little uncomfortable um, with the fact that we didn't really create that many opportunities after those 20 minutes, I don't remember a single chance, really. Not a big chance that we had. And uh, that's not usual for Morocco at all. So, you know, when we've had a year and with the same team as well, uh, of players with so much confidence, knowing that we can just we can just keep on going because we know that we'll score. Instead, we played in an Iran team where we all of a sudden couldn't create those opportunities. Um and that might have been something that caught us off guard and, and made us question ourselves a bit. Absolutely. It's, it's, it seems that preparations is something that both teams um, lacked. Um, successful preparation wasn't quite there for both teams and was friendlies on both sides weren't perhaps appropriate. Um, but it's you know what I what, what, what I what I want. Be, sorry, sorry, just just to stop you there. Sorry. Um, before we move on to the next topic, after listening to you guys, and I completely agree with you that our thoughts watching it, it feels like Morocco are tired. But so, would you would you, would you believe me if I told you that Morocco as a team ra- actually ran and covered more distance than Iranian players? 
See, that's, that's, that, that, that surprised me. See, well, it was about what, 70 yeah, or so I minutes think, in. I think there's a difference between how much they covered, but I don't think they sprinted as much. I don't think it was high intensity. Uh, no, no, it, I, it, you're right. But that was going to be my next point, that there is a difference between just running and smart running. Um, just running for the sake of running. We had the same similar situation between our own players. You know, sorry if I had run. Uh, you know, ran. I think he was the second player who ran the uh, who ran the most, covered most distance. But was it smart running? Did, was it as useful as it could have been? Probably not. But I think um, I don't think it was a matter of Morocco getting tired. I think um, fitness-wise they were there, but I, I don't think the runs they were making or the, the distances they were covering covering was necessarily the right uh, the, the smart way to do it. I think I think they could have done different. Uh, they could have done certain things a lot more differently and that running is probably one of them but I don't think it would have been a, it would have been a matter of fitness uh, because I, I felt like at the end our players were, were more tired and of course we saw with Jahambash as well I think it was his hamstring um, they, were, they were a lot more tired um, but I think as I said there's a difference between just running for the sake of running and actually smart running well that's the point I think from from a from a um outside perspective it looked like a lot of the running that the, the Moroccan players were doing uh, seemed to be lacking of a, a game plan at times because I think uh, we, we touched upon that earlier and Benjamin you mentioned that there was that um, you, if, if Renard could have done it differently he would have played more through the centre of the park uh, rather than constantly going from the wings and there was a lot of running on, running on the wings Hakimi, Ziyech and Amrabat on the right wing um, often with no un- end product, unfortunately, for Morocco. But what, what, what I want to move on to next is probably what was the biggest chance of the first half and, and, and the biggest chance of, of, of the game, perhaps, certainly for Iran, but I think overall it was the in the 43rd minutes when um, Arzmoun was more or less one-on-one with the keeper uh, and unfortunately due to a bad touch, he seemed to not be able to get the right shot away, but still... Great save by the keeper, and that was a counter attack that was started with Omid Ebrahimi winning the ball back in the in in, in the Iranian half. So, Sina, I want to get your thoughts on um, on Ebrahimi. Uh, how do you think he played? And obviously, he he's not been a a regular starter um, for Iran over the last few years. He's he's been a regular in the squad, but he's often come off, come off the bench. Do you think he has warranted himself a place in the starting lineup? And do you think there have been there are any other players that um, have warranted uh, themselves a starting spot in the next game, or any other players that surprised you? Well, I agree. I think Ibrahimi uh, put in a fantastic performance. I, I really wasn't expecting that sort of performance from him, especially when you consider the fact that he's been involved, like you said, in and around the squad for a few years now. He's he's played a few games here and there, and he's never actually looked uh, as good as he does for his club as several in Iran. He, he's usually very underwhelming when he plays for the national team. It could be because of positions and roles, but uh, yesterday certainly he, he he played out of his skin for him. Um, they call him the commander uh, in Esserlon, and that was a very commanding performance uh, from him. I think off the ball, even on the ball, he he was a lot better than Masoud in terms of just releasing the ball as soon as he he um, he makes the tackle or the interception. He was really quick in. Uh, turning over the transition and making sure that we, we sit on the counter which was probably he was probably our best player in that sense and I think 
uh, as you said, Osman uh, as well. Of course, he was he was the one with the um, with the fantastic chance. But Osman was another one of those players that was really slow into releasing the ball. He could have freed up Jahanbash, uh in the first half a few times, uh, set him up on a, on a one v one with the defender. But uh, those passes and those touches were so poor that he never came off. It was with Ebrahimi. Even though that area of the pitch was so congested, he was uh, making interceptions, making tackles, and then uh, recycling that ball really quickly out wide or to the other midfielders and getting it further up the pitch. Um, I think uh, he's definitely given Kairush a headache, a very good headache that Kairush would have wanted. Because, of course, now we have Saeed Azatollahi coming back as well into contention. But I do wonder whether Hoysafi will still carry on as a left-back because... Um, if he doesn't and if Mohamedi comes back then Hajsafi will move into midfield which then if we are assuming as Zatullah he is playing as a number six and there's only one spot available another one another one spot available in, in central midfield and I know that uh, Arya said Shujay wouldn't start and I would I would probably agree but there's not a lot of options and of course he's the captain Um I wonder if, if it will come down to a decision of whether um, he will have to start Ibrahimi or Shujai. I certainly don't think Dejagaya is fit enough. Forget the injury, just on a normal day, he's not fit enough to, to start a game. Even if he does, he wouldn't. I don't think he would last around 60 minutes. So uh, I don't think that will be an option. Or at least at the moment, it doesn't look like an option. You never know with Kairos. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts against Spain. But again, you got to think about the, his role. I mean, he played the number six against Morocco. He was fantastic. Would he be able to replicate that performance as a more advanced central midfield into the role that, let's say, Shojai played? Um, so we got to wait and see. Again, it comes down to whether Hoysafi will carry on left-back. Will Amiri go to left-wing and answer if I would drop? There's a lot of questions, a lot of um, decisions that Kairos has to make uh, before the Spain game. Yeah, that's, 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 as you said, having that headache, um, that um, embar- well, embarrassment of riches is, is probably a strong word to use for our midfield, but, but it, it's good to have, it's certainly good to have an option um, other than Ezatolai as a number six. Um, so the, 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 next, the, the, the ironic thing about this game, in, in my opinion, was that the players who have been our star players throughout qualifying and, and over the last few years, Osmond and Jahan Baksh in particular, were, weren't at their best. I think Jahan Baksh was in, hardly in the game in the first half. He, he, he got better to, towards the, uh, the, the second half and, and, and looked dangerous and, and dro- drove forward a few times on that right wing. Uh, but as I said, I think, I think the players that were the, our best players on the pitch were in fact our most heavily criticised players or, or the players that we least expected to, to have a contribution. We've already uh, mentioned Ebrahimi. Um, Cheshmi is someone I, 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 I want to talk about because we, he has been slated over the last few weeks. He had a terrible performance against Turkey. He, he wasn't great in the, in, in, the, in, the, um, in the friendlies preceding that, uh, particularly against Tunisia. Uh, so let, let, let's let's talk about Cheshmi. He made a really good block in in um, during the game. Uh, I can't remember if it was in the first or the the the, the second half, but he put his body on the line. So, um, Arya, talk me through Cheshmi and his performance. What do you think about about him, and and, and should he start the next game? 
Yeah, he definitely started the next game. Definitely started the next game. He was, um, you know, I think against Turkey, I think a bit complacent. I think he maybe underestimated Tosun's ability to score goals. Um, and I think just didn't really look up to the game against Turkey. Uh, but he played good. And actually, one of the things that uh, really uh, surprises me is how no one's talking about Purali Ganji. Purali Ganji had a great game yesterday. He was, in my opinion, one of the best players on the pitch. You know, he um, he just looked really comfortable on the ball. You know, just, in my opinion, looked like a really good defender yesterday. And Cheshmi was good as well. Cheshmi was... You know, winning headers. He was, you know, just generally playing well. I don't think there was really much issue. I think Cena said earlier, uh, the midfield, the the job was uh, to be compact, and that made it really easy for Prady Ganji and uh, Cheshmi. So didn't really have much to do. Um, also uh, in the back line, I think um, Reza Yon was uh, unbelievable, unbelievable yesterday. I thought he, you know, he's been criticised so much. It's it's unbelievable how much he gets criticised for being a bad defender or he can't do one-on-ones, he can't uh, make a tackle. There's so much criticism against his defending, which in my opinion is so, it's so uh, redundant because he does... Re- I don't think he's a bad defender. What has he done bad defensively in the, in the last four years that people complain about? For me, he was unbelievable yesterday and that that's the reason why Kiro started him because... Kairos could have easily played Hansa that right back or Montezelli at right back, but he didn't. He played Rezoyon because Rezoyon, in my opinion, going to Belgium, he's been unbelievable in the last year. Defensively, he's improved so much and he shouldn't get so much criticism by Iranian fans. Nowadays, like you have Gafuri who against Algeria wasn't great in my opinion. Um, and he's been called up to be the right back in the, in the World Cup this year and just you know, people need to support him more often than they... And they criticise him. Um, yeah, I, but yeah, back to Cheshmi. Cheshmi, sorry. No, I was going to say just, but just before we move on to Cheshmi, just, um, just quickly on on Rezaian, I, I agree with you. I, I rate him. I think he's good. I think he's he's better offensively than he is defensively. But I'm not saying he's bad defensively. Um, one concern, I, uh, what I did mention before, and and he's got better at this, but certainly in the past, and he still does this sometimes. And on one occasion, he did it where Ziyech ran in behind him. But in the past. He, and he, as I said, he can still do it now. He used to um, run forward and leave space in behind and leave defensive line vulnerable. And he'd be open to those one-two diagonal passes. Um, but certainly against, in, if you remember in September 2016, when we started off our the final round of the qualifying campaign against Qatar and China, he was doing that on a regular basis. And I got really frustrated with him. But he seems to, since moving to Ulstand in Belgium, he has worked on the defensive side of his game, uh, and 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 that's good. Um, so yeah, now talk me through Cheshmi, a previously very criticised player who we almost laughed at because he he made so many silly errors, but he was looking like a real um, solid centre back. And 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 Benjamin, from from a Moroccan point of view, do, do you think that he he really gave Cabby a headache and, and, and he didn't really give him the time of day. How, what do you think? I think, uh, I remember when we looked at the, the team sheet, I, I was personally happy about him starting just because I haven't, I hadn't seen him before, but even I have seen how much uh, criticism he's been receiving from, from Iranians. So just by seeing his name on the team sheet, I was, I was fairly happy, but I mean, I think that's probably one of, 
one of Karras' um, specialities that he he trusts his players, and that that's something that will make them that will make them stronger. You know, that will um, that will um, make them stand up even if even if they're criticized, they'll know that the the manager believes in them and they'll they'll be there when it matters. So I think not only him but their whole back four did very, very well. Especially on the right side. I think they even if um um even if Harit on our left was probably the player that created the most, he was the the Iranian right back was 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 still there all the time constantly. Um Hakimi had no space at all. He had an awful game yesterday. Um, and wasn't really able to to be involved as much as uh, as much as we'd hoped for um, offensively. So I think the the Iranian back four did very very well to to keep um, the Moroccan offensive players um, quiet. And um, yeah, as for Kabi, I mean, two Iranian two Iranian center backs uh, against him should be uh, should be an easy match, and it, it really was when he wasn't getting the help that I think he, he should have got. So it was an easy task at the end. But, of course, credit to, to Iran's centre-backs for, for doing um, a, a great game. Absolutely. I also want to seems... add quickly, uh, yeah. uh, Majid Hosseini came on and he was unbelievable. And also his birthday is on the day of the Spain game. So that's another thing for Keiro to think about. Maybe he wants to give him a birthday present to start him against Spain. <laughs> yeah, you um, you are a big fan of Hosseini. We... Uh, you know, you know, <laughs> you always sing his praises, and and he looked, he looked good for the for the brief time that he that he came on. And before we move on to uh, to Spain and Portugal, the incredible game that they had yesterday, and 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 the two games that we're going to start playing is them. The last thing that I want to talk about um, with regards to the Morocco game is um, Ali Reza Benramand. I think he's someone who has been criticised in the past. I was certainly a critic. Um, he could often look unreliable in corners. He would flap at the ball. He would miss the ball. Um, but Sina, uh, he made a really good save in the 79th minute of a ZH half volley uh, in the bottom left that he managed to save. He also made those blocks in the first first um uh, in the first half there were two corners off the top of my head where he um punched the ball nicely out and he didn't grab it which sometimes you know pundits say you should just pick grab the ball but he 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 did well um, and someone who you know he had, on the the guardian there was a great article recently talking about how he he left his nomadic family in Iran he was a street cleaner pizza delivery man before his football career really picked up um uh, so Sina um, what did you think about his performance, uh, and and are you are you do you feel more self assured, or were you always a backer of him anyway? I think uh, when we talk about individuals, uh, we need to talk about the whole unit, because uh, and he, this applies to not just Bayramani, it applies to Cheshmi, it applies to Hajsafi, and it applies to Rezaian as well. Maybe not so much Purali Ganji, but these guys. Uh, you know, we, these are our players. You know, let's be honest; they're not defensively that great. Hodge Safi, he's not a left back, and we saw against Amrabat, he was on multiple occasions. He was diving in too much. He wasn't as maybe as uh, as great as he, he would have hoped defensively. Cheshmi again, like Arya said against Turkey, I think he was put in a position, and the tactics were in a way that he was constantly left one v one with the striker. The fact that we played the high line against Turkey, the midfield was extremely poor, and it was just really easy for the strike. There was none of that in this game. It was constantly defending as a as a as a team. Um, 
there was I don't think there was any part of the pitch apart from maybe Amrabat to be high Sepi on certain occasions. There was never any one v one on the pitch. We were always outnumbering the opponent, which is extremely key when you talk about this Iran team. That you try to outnumber them, uh, win the ball as two or as blocks of two or three rather than just one defender making the tackle. And that applies to Cheshmi as well. There was not an occasion that he was left 1v1. I think defensively, he's still got a lot of work to do. Just because he wasn't exposed yesterday doesn't mean he suddenly, um, he suddenly doesn't have the weaknesses that he had. But he was there uh, because of his passing, because of the fact that he, you know, Kairosh wanted someone from the back who could actually play the ball. And we saw that. I think the stats were 85% pass accuracy, which was the highest uh, amongst Iranian players. And that was Cheshmi. So he was there for that job specifically. But as a defender, he's still got a lot of work to do. Same with Rezaian. I agree with you. I think defensively, he still has... Uh, I think he's still disappointing. And he was just released by Ustende. And he has had a disappointing season. He's been in and out of the team. And that's partly why they've, they've released him. Bayron Mad, again, he, his, his main weaknesses. And I think there was only one cross of Morocco... I, don't, I think if they maybe they watched the Iran games and Persepolis games a bit more, they would realise what what uh, Bayronman's weaknesses are. And it's the, it's the uh, cross that's whipped in rather than whipped out. And they only did that in the very last second of the game, which uh, Bayronman grabbed and the game ended. That's his biggest weakness. Whether he, he, does, he puts him in a situation where he doesn't know whether to come out and punch, punch the ball or stand on his line, and he kind of creates confusion. For defenders, I think we saw that was it against Tunisia or Algeria where he came out and didn't punch the ball and then someone headed the ball in. But he had a great game, he had a great game. I agree with you, he made the fantastic save first half from Benashia and then the same from Harrod. But when we talk about these individuals, we need to also discuss the fact that as a unit, they they uh, they cover each other's weaknesses. You know, look at how um Morocco defended. Uh, in open play, you know they were left constantly with Benashia and and Saiz. Benashia, world class defender, and Saiz as well, of course, be be playing in Premier League next season. Iran can't do that because one v one, we are not the greatest team. Uh, I don't even think we are the greatest team in Asia. One v one defending, so it's key that we constantly talk about the fact that it's important to outnumber the opposition when they're on the ball, uh, close out those gaps so they have nowhere to go. Which again. You know, covers the the weaknesses of our defenders. Yeah, you, I, I I agree with you. In fact, when we when you about the, the that this is at the end of the day a, a team sport, and you listen to Carlos Kirish's, um press conference after the game, and he that's exactly what he talks about. He talks about this is a team, it's a unit. They fight for each other, and as you say, they cover each other's weaknesses. And we we it was always obvious going into this game that this was going to be about discipline defensive discipline um it was probably going to come down to to individual mistakes this is something that we were talking about before the game Arya, you in particular um made that call and and then you ended up being right and and i think the iranian game so if we conclude the game the game plan from iran was you must say even though there were individual errors and at times we give the ball away too easily tactically Kiros got it spot on. We had thirty-six percent of percent of possession, uh, but we still we were we looked dangerous on the counter. Uh, Osman should have scored in the in the forty-third minute in that one one on one with the keeper. But we, the the Iranian players were successfully managed to disrupt play very well. We 
Um, there were 36,000 total in that game, 14 of them um, conceded by Iran, 22 by Morocco. Um, Iran had 10 treatments um, on the pitch compared to two uh, by Morocco. So that disturbs the rhythm of the game um, and frustrates the Moroccan players. And you could see that frustration did creep in a few times. Players did get a little bit physical. Um, and all in all, it worked out very well. And so can can the question is, can we move this into the Spain game? Because we know that the midfield, the centre of the park is somewhere with that they're going to dominate. Possession is going to be... They're going to dominate. If we only had 36% possession against Morocco, what's that percentage going to be in the next game? So uh, in that yeah, in, in the game that followed the Iran-Morocco game, we had a, a very contrasting game. You could see the golf in quality there. Benjamin, what did you think about the, 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 the Spain-Portugal game? Did you watch it? Uh, and, and how impressed were you? Would you say it's one of the best World, Cups game you, World Cup games you've ever seen? It was it was really impressive, and um, I mean, it didn't it didn't make my my night uh, any better. I was hoping, I was I was hoping that Spain would win the game, just because I think if if Spain had got the win in that game, um, and we were to beat Portugal, ideally Spain would have gone into the last group game with six points after beating Iran as well, and then maybe they'll be. Um, happy enough with six points and then already through and then we could have maybe snatched a win there but with 3-3 and both teams looking extremely strong Ronaldo at peak form now it seems like so um, a great game uh, for neutral but for both Iranian and Moroccan fans um, definitely a, a, a concern ahead of the, the next two games Benjamin, just uh, what, what, what was the what was the reaction in Morocco to this defeat? I mean, of course, before the game, Morocco was kind of uh, you know considered as the favorite for this game. Uh, it, Morocco was even considered as a surprise package for for some of the fans. What what does this result mean uh, for the team, and especially for the fans? And what do the fans now think going forward? Do they do they still have a chance? Are they still as optimistic as they were before the game, or are they just waiting for a miracle to happen. It's honestly very, very mixed right now in Morocco. And that's, that's, that's um, usually the case here in Morocco. Uh, people are usually very mixed in their, in their feelings. Some are, are dooming us already. I mean, calling the, the whole World Cup a failure and um, just criticizing everything and everyone right now. Uh, and then some are being very optimistic and then thinking that, I mean, of course we can, we can still do it. Um, Spain and Portugal are not. Unbeatable, and uh, hoping that we that we that we can uh, achieve a miracle. But generally, I think people were really, really disappointed. Um, I'm sure you've seen as well some Moroccan fans um, frustrated at Iran um, after their um, style of play, uh, etc. But I think most people are just very disappointed with uh, with our performance, and um, and of course, I mean. Especially looking at the game between Spain and Portugal, I think most people are have accepted that we're we're most likely out of it because I think we I haven't looked at it, but I think we most likely will need to to win both games or at least win one by multiple goals and and draw the other game. So we're disappointed, but I think the thing now is that we just most of us are just trying to get through it and supporting the team and. Um, seeing how it goes. I mean, ultimately, this is our first World Cup in 20 years, so we're still just trying to enjoy being here. Yeah, for sure. After, what, 20 years, 
out of the World Cup. It's something that must be uh, amazing for the country, and, and, and so even for us, we were in the World Cup four years ago. But qualifying again uh, was was something else that that that, that was in, was incredible. And and we, the question is now whether Iran can go on to um, take this confidence into the next game and try to get something out of the next two games. And and I was having a look today at the last World Cup to see if any teams managed to go through in second, play, second place on four points. And out of the eight groups in the last World Cup uh, in Brazil, four teams, believe it or not, I was surprised that four teams got through on four points. So half of the second place teams. Now, the question is, are we going to go into both of these games trying to get a draw and hopefully getting at least one draw out of, out of this? How, how do you think we should approach um, the next two games, particularly considering the Spain game is the next one. What do you think, Arya? Um, I don't know. I think mathematically, um, it was probably better if uh, you know one of the teams won uh, in that game yesterday. But I think no, it's it's tougher because we have to try and, in my opinion, uh, yeah, get a draw against Spain. That would be good. But then it would come down to if how the the Morocco and Portugal game goes. If Portugal win, they have four points. Um, so you know that would mean that Iran, Spain, and Portugal on four points, and then comes to the last game. You know, all games all to play for. Um, but then again, Iran need need to get a draw against Spain to even um, allow that to happen. So oh, it's tough. I, I think that um, Iran, even though they won it the first game, which was the objective from when the draw happened was to beat Morocco and that's happened now but um, now that we've put ourselves in this situation we have to try and uh, really uh, push forward and try and get into that second round it's going to be tough though because uh, I, I didn't watch the game yesterday actually I didn't watch the Spain and Portugal game um, I was away but uh, from what that's I saw a real shame mate real shame <laughs> <laughs> From what I saw in the highlights, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know what I mean? Cristiano Ronaldo is a great player. You know, he's the best best player in the world. You know, what can you do? You know, he's going to score goals. Um, yeah, I don't think his goals were particularly like, uh, you know, obviously a free kick was nice. The penalty was a penalty. You know, you can't miss penalties when you're Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, and the goal was basically a goalkeeping error. So I don't think it was amazing hat-trick. It wasn't a wonderful hat-trick, you know, but... You know, three goals are three goals. You know, we got an own goal. So it's not like we got any more than what he did. So I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be tough against Spain. I, I think Kairos will go quite defensive. I think he will play a, a midfield four, a midfield five of um, Jahan Bash, Omid Ibrahimi, Ezatullahi, Hai Safi and Amiri. I think he'll go very defensive against um, Spain. And I think Mohamed gets restored at left back, hopefully. Um, because I don't think that he wants to concede goals in that game. Uh, I mean, obviously, he doesn't want to concede goals, but I think this is really important we don't, con- we don't concede goals, because the goal difference will come to it as well um, in the last game. So, Sina, what do you think? Well, I think... Um, I, I mean, I definitely agree with you that mathematically, I think it was the worst result for us, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, realistically... Even if we get two draws from the Portugal and Spain game, we end up with five points. And assuming Portugal and Spain win their game against Morocco, there'll be three teams with five points. And uh, we are already 
you know we're already going to get knocked out because of goal difference. Even if not goal difference, goal scored. So I think it's definitely put us in a very difficult situation. Osman, I agree with you that, that there was a few teams that went up by, by four points. But I think generally in those groups, uh, there was one team that won all their games. Whereas in this one, um, you know, it's, I don't think it's, of course, it's, it's, Iran won't be the team that will win all their games. And Spain and Portugal already drew. So it's, it's going to be very difficult. Um, the only way that will guarantee us um, qualification is, is a win against Spain, which um, will take a bit of miracle as well. Because, OK, you know, we, we almost got a point from Argentina last time round, But this Spain team is a lot more difficult. I think the way Karush, uh, Karush will set up, um, he will have to make certain changes in the way we approach the game. Um, yesterday's game was, I wouldn't say solely based on, but a lot of the things we did was basically, like you said, disturbing the rhythm of the game. And how, how, did, we, how did we do that? By constant cynical fouling. Um, I can't remember, I don't know if you remember answer fact, but majority of the game, his defending was basically dangling a foot out and making it easy for the midfielder to go past him. You can't do that against Spain. You cannot try to go and tackle Iniesta or any of those players because they will just pass it around you. So you'll be creating, a, and those tiny gaps you create behind you when you go and press the midfielder, uh, you know they're going to take advantage of that. This is the best team in the world. Uh, for doing that, so I think the, the the ideal approach would be just creating a block, just to close out the gaps, no tackling, but constantly depending on um, making interceptions rather than actually winning the ball by making tackles. But I do, and I do wonder if if we can do that because in the last few years we were a team that, uh, especially in the first half, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but there was. Uh, a few occasions where the midfielders and the fullback would go chasing after the man with the ball, so there would be you'd be three, you'd have three players swarming the man with the ball. You cannot do that against Isco because you know he's going to not not only find a way through you, but he could probably pass it around you. So you'll already be you know a few man down in in midfield. So uh, it's going to be very difficult. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's going to be very difficult. But again, the first 15-20 minutes is key. Not conceding an early goal is is extremely key. Um, but I think he's got a he's got a few key decisions to make, and I don't think he'll be in terms of personnel, but in terms of how how to approach the game. Because you look all over the pitch, and they have uh, they have quality, and of course with the presence of Diego Costa, anything is possible. You know, he's not a Usually with, with strikers that you would say they can create something out of nothing is usually the, the tricky uh, strikers like Aguero, like we saw today against Iceland. But Costa is a striker that can create something out of nothing with uh, his presence, with his physique. And um, I do wonder how we're going to deal with that as well. So it's not just the midfield, you also have uh, Costa as well as the fullbacks. You know, we saw Nacho score, <laughs> score a fantastic goal yesterday. And also you have Alba on the left. So again, he's got a lot of a lot of headaches, but uh, I think his his biggest headache would be how to approach the game as a unit. Of course, I think the, the, well, that's that's the question is when that defensive line and that defensive discipline needs to needs to be retained, and we need to find a way of giving the back four protection. So the last thing that I want to discuss before we wrap things up is. 
Or you've already mentioned you think Ezotolai and Ebrahimi will start, and I think Ebrahimi has warranted himself his place in the starting spot. So, uh, Sina, lastly, I want to I want to get your view on this. Do you think that Ezotolai and Ebrahimi will both play as defensive midfielders to give that extra protection to the back four? And if so, who do you think will take the final centre midfielders midfield spot, slightly higher up the pitch in the number eight position? Well, it's, I mean, just generally, on a, on a even on a friendly game or even a qualification game, it's hard to predict what Kerish is going to do, let alone a World Cup where he actually has surprises specifically for these games. And he said he has a plan just for just for Spain. Um, again, I think the main thing will depend on the left-back spot. Is he going to carry on with Harsafi or is Mohamedi going to come in? Because if Mohamedi comes in, then Harsafi is almost nailed on to come into midfield. Also, you have the you have the question at left wing, uh, with Tarami being 100% fit, is he going to is he going to start or is Amir going to move to the left hand side? These are some these these are very these are a lot of questions that I think to answer. It's not just one position or one spot. There's multiple players that can easily get moved around. But I I I I, I don't think Ebrahimi will play. Um, I also think because. Kairosh uh, will want to rotate his squad to make sure they are fit for the Portugal game. I think that's one of the things he pointed out as well in comparison to the last World Cup, that we need to start rotating the team uh, so that we don't get uh, mentally and physically tired by the third game. Um, so I would say Mohamedi to come in for uh, for Ansarifart. But then Mohamedi being left back, and then Hajsafi coming into midfield, and Amir going to the left side, uh, to the left winger. So I, I, I don't think Ebrahimi will start. I think Azatoli will start at six, and then you'll have the usual um, Masoud and, uh, and Hajsafi in midfield. But also, there's, I mean, Khanzade has come in for a reason. You know, there's a, there's a reason why. Uh, Kerush has only brought one, uh, uh, one right back, less you know, so to speak. So, I think he might even play one of the centre backs at, at right back to rotate. You know, Hansa who played there, I think was it against Uzbekistan. Um, so you never know. You know, there's a lot of surprises he can pull. Absolutely, there's, a, and we always know that Kerush likes his surprises. And finally, the very last thing, Benjamin, you. Uh, Obviously, in the next game against Portugal, you need to get three points. Um, well, most likely three points in order to have any sort of chance of quali- qualifying. How do you think Renard uh, and Morocco will approach that game? Um, I remember looking before the tournament. I was thinking that Portugal is 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 a team that we should be aiming to get three points against. I don't think they've been. That impressive, not even in the Euros when they won two years ago. Um, but of course, after looking at the Spain game, they they have qualities offensively that we we haven't faced in probably since the last World Cup in '98. So it's it's always going to be tough. But I I still think we 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 can cause a surprise there, especially now when everyone has gone from praising Morocco as the as the big underdog. Um, in the tournament to now um, everyone just you know riding them off so that could be a that could be a good spot for us so 
Um, I think, I mean, with the fact that we now probably will need six points from both those games, I think, I'm not sure if he will, he will do that many changes. I don't think that will be a smart move either to change things around too much. But um, we will always be always going to have to take um, a bit more chances. And I think, I, I was thinking before the tournament, I'm still thinking that Portugal might be a better matchup for us than, than Iran because we can we can play a side that will take take chances offensively and maybe be able to to hit them on the counter as well because we we also have a, a good counterattack, believe it or not, because we we were not able to to showcase that against Iran. But um hopefully we can we can maybe set up a similar style of play that Iran played against us, try to frustrate Portugal, um and then try to hit them on the counter and um create some chances um from that. But um it's gonna be hard but we we're st- we haven't given up. Well, we uh, we will certainly be rooting for you to, at the very least, get a draw, uh, <laughs> if not the three mm-hmm. points. Uh, but yeah, so we've we've had some interesting discussions. We've covered uh, we've covered the Iran Morocco game. We've we've previewed um, the uh, the upcoming games. Um, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure to have you on, Benjamin, and get your side of things. Um, especially, must be hard. To, to 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 talk about it as well in some in some ways um being relatively fresh but we really uh, appreciate you having you on and um chaps as well uh, Adia and Sina thank you very much for your contribution and and thank you listeners and we will be uploading more articles and there will be another pod coming up after the Spain game where we will also preview the Portugal game so um, from from myself, Atbin Moayedi, and uh, the three gents, uh, Benjamin, Haji, uh, Sino, Saimimian, and Arya Alaverdi, we thank you, and good night. We hope you've enjoyed this latest episode of Gold Bazan. If there's any topics or anything you would like us to discuss more, email us at mail at goldbazanpodcast.com. As always, our information is on Facebook, at Gold Bazan, Twitter, at Gold Bazan. Website is goldbazanpodcast.com. If there's anything you guys would like us to talk about or message any of us, um, our personal emails are all up on the website. Let's keep going. We got two more matches. We're all looking forward. Thank you.